This morning, um, our message is going to come from Luke um, chapter 8, verses 4 through 11. It's on page 725 in your pew Bible. I don't know. That's good. Thank you. It's, Mike talked about the parable last week of the seed, and that's where I'm starting my message today. So starting in verse 4, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and it soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it choked it out. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop of a hundredfold. When he had, told, when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? So when his disciples asked him what the parable of the sower meant, I believe this is the this is the um, parable summed up. The seed is the word of God. This is just a different way to understand what Jesus is um, very practical, practical <laughs> parable. We should ponder and pray over the four spiritual heart conditions Christ describes. The first one being an almost Christian. An almost Christian uh, are those who uh, along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. That was Luke 8, 12. An almost Christian hears the truth, but the enemy, enemy quickly snatches the word of God from their hearts and replaces it with lies. The word is disbelief. A hard heart is unable to receive scripture into its proud, unplowed soil. Only by humility and faith is it softened. A teachable heart. <clears throat> The truth, and um, here's the scripture and um, protects it from Satan's deceptive tactics of doubt. The only hope in this is unsaved, for the unsaved soul is full surrender. A full surrender to Jesus and a softened heart. The second example is a convenient Christian. Those are on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. That'd be Luke 8, 13. If it's convenient, I'll say I am a Christian. If it is not convenient, I will act like I am not a Christian. This is the motto of men and women who only use Christianity to further their self-interest 
Joy is the reaction of those who first hear about Jesus. But when their emotional foundation is tested, they fall away. They're faithless. They may say right, the right words, even attend church, but their heart is far from God. A convenient Christian is a counterfeit. There is no true belief rooted in conviction. Number three is an immature Christian. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on to their, uh, their way, they are choked by life's worries and problems, riches and pleasures. And they do not mature like eight, um, Luke 8, 14, an immature Christian is still an infant in their comprehension of the righteousness. Worry, money, and pleasures have all stunted their growth in, in God's grace. They know the Lord. They have been saved, but they only snorkel at the surface of their salvation. These babies have not yet um, dove into the depths of God's love, comfort, and fellowship. Mature faith preserves through pain and has the discipline to enjoy pleasures without worshiping them. Number four is a growing Christian. A growing Christian is the seed that fell on good soil. It stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, producing a crop. That's Luke eight fifteen. Honorably, a growing Christian guards their heart with the peace of God. Suffering softens their heart and success humbles their heart. Thus, seeds of truth establish deep roots. The word of God rarely grows old, only richer, wisely, then discover new ways to be more like Jesus. Growing a, a crop of character with a hearty harvest of souls, a growing Christian retains truth by meditating, memorizing, and applying the Bible to their lives. They stop growing when they stop breathing. Growth means change. Change takes grace. Grace from, comes from God, and God gives grace to the humble. And he, God, gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That comes from James 4, 6. Now that we have talked about heart condition for a little bit, I would like to just take a couple minutes and, and let each one of us self-examine our hearts. If you just want to bow your head and talk to God and, and just see where your heart's at.
Okay, I'll go into the next part of the message now. Um, as long as I've been a Christian, there's, there's been one thing I can always remember people um, talking about and arguing about, and that is tithing. Some say tithing is strictly an Old Testament law that does not need to be followed any longer. And as believers, we are under the new covenant with Christ. Others say that tithing is just a, as relevant to New Testament Christians as it was in the old covenant. Let's look, at, let's look at some of the things that the Bible says about tithing and try to answer some of the questions we might have together from the Word of God. First, we must ask ourselves, what is tithing? Tithing comes from an old English word to mean a tenth. Ties today are normally voluntary, paid in cash or check, some, and now online even. Um, another option, it is available. Where historical ties were paid as ag and usually in agricultural products, according to what the people had at their disposal as income. Does the Bible actually say to give 10%? If you search the Bible for the word tithing, there are about 14 verses, depending on what version you read. The first mention of tithing in the Bible goes to Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered our enemies into your hand, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The most popular tithing scripture is Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me now for this, says the Lord of hosts. This is the only time in the Bible where the Lord says to test him. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing unto you. Until it overflows. So what does it, the New Testament say about tithing? Not a lot. But Jesus said this in Luke 4, uh, 11, verse 42. But woe to you. Pharisees, for you pay tithes of mint and rue and other items from your herb garden. Yet you disregard justice and the love of God. But these are the things that you should have done without neglecting the others. <clears throat> it seems pretty clear uh, to me. From all the verses on money and tithing, it's a biblical idea. Now what does that mean for us today? So glad you asked. <laughs> Such a highly debated topic should not be swept under the rug. First, uh, first, let us discuss tithing salvation. You're probably saying, I've never heard of that. Has anybody ever heard of that? Good. Because you would be correct, there's no such thing. <laughs> this is incredibly important to understand. Our salvation is based on Jesus' finished work on the cross, not on works. 
You cannot earn your way to heaven by giving, and you will not be excluded from heaven by your lack of tithing. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Out of our faith, our good works manifest. So in my opinion, if someone truly understands how great a gift they have been given, they will truly want to give back to the one who gives us everything, God Almighty. There are plenty of verses in the Old Testament and not many in the New Testament. We have already acknowledged this. But I don't believe that in any way nullifies the value of its practices. Under the New Covenant, our salvation is not based on our obedience to the Ten Commandments. But does that mean that we should not follow them? Are they all of a sudden of no value? I think the same can be applied to tithing. We, could de we can debate about tithing, whether we should or we should not tithe. It is a commandment for the New Testament believers, or is it a commandment for the New Testament believers? I personally don't see any reason why tithing wouldn't still provide a blessing, just like it did in the Old Covenant. Is tithing a New Testament principle? Jesus clearly does not command us to tithe, but that in no means, that by no means says that we should not tithe. Many believers um, who don't want to tithe say that there are no scriptures in the New Testament that say we must tithe. But I say to you, there were no scriptures for Abram and Jacob either. Why would there be a scripture to repeat for us to do something that God has already said can be done of one's free will in exchange for a blessing? For those who don't tithe, what are you doing that is sufficiently enough to warrant God's favor and blessing in return? In Matthew 23 and 23, um, and in Luke 11, 42, Jesus referred to tithing as something that should not be neglected. The concept of tithing was actually around before the Old Covenant was even established. Some 600 years before the law, we see Abram tithing. It wasn't requested by anybody. It wasn't suggested by anyone. And it wasn't coerced by anyone. It was purely voluntary. It was a voluntary act of, to honor the Most High God. Possessor of heaven and earth, Abram simply appreciated God's favor and gave up something of value to honor the one who helped him get the victory. Let's look at tithing for Christians today. Like I mentioned earlier, tithing is not a requirement for salvation. God's love for you or even God being pleased with you. There was only one time in your Bible where tithing was a requirement. And that was during the 1500 years before Jesus came while Israel was under the law. Before that, there was a bigger picture of honoring God with one substance. And honoring occurs when something that is, 
of value to the one doing the giving is freely and or voluntarily given to someone as a sacrificial gesture of thanksgiving and appreciation. Is God worthy to be highly praised for what he has done and what he is still doing uh, in our lives? That we should especially honor him for it? If it was that way before the law, how much more should he be honored under the new covenant? Well, we have been given a better covenant with all things in Christ, Hebrews 8 and 6. Friends, giving to God is about honoring him and great things he has done in our lives. It always has been that way, even under the law. We are not required to tithe under the new covenant. But where is the scripture that says we are not honoring God under the new covenant? Or the scripture that says we can stop honoring God under the new covenant? If this message encourages you to give less, then you're not getting the true message. Regardless of whether or not tithing is required, the goal is our motivation and our heart condition. We must shift from legalism to one of voluntary, sacrificial, and cheerful generosity. Giving to the one who has given everything. As Paul lays out in Corinthians 9. But Billy Graham said one time, we have found in our own home that that God's blessing on the nine-tenths is better than any um, thing that we could do with all ten-tenths. So if you give a nine, if you have nine tenths, you give one tenth to God. He does more with that one tenth than you could do with all the money. It helps it go farther than you know the whole ten tenths without God's blessing. Do we have any better invitation than to actually test it out and see if it really works? If it really wasn't going to work, would God say, "Test me in this"? Most of the people who tithe faithfully were skeptical non-tithers at one time in their lives as young Christians uh, or new believers. But we had to step out in faith and overcome our doubts and fears and give it a try. Put God to the test. You will not be disappointed. It really is like all other other areas of our walk with God. It requires faith. It is an essential part of living the Christian life to the fullest. When we step out in faith, that is when we see God do miraculous. And that, my friends, is what makes the Christian life so fun to be a part of. The amazing adventure that God leads us on if we obey his voice. No, it doesn't make sense that when we give all this away, we will actually be better off. But I have found this to be true in my own life. We need to remember that we are not giving to um, our tithe to the church or to pay the pastor. We are tithing to give back to God some of what he has entrusted us with. Remember, you are giving to God. Search your heart and ask God to show you the bottom line. The bottom line is that there is undoubtedly a blessing Um, 
a blessing that comes to givers. Luke 6 and 38. Give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use it, you will be measured to you. How we give is of the utmost importance. As with everything, man looks at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. As I have given in faith over the years, I have found myself becoming a more cheerful giver. And in my giving and through those um, moments of obedience, each time we step out, in faith and see God come through, it just makes it easier to, easier to get excited about what God is doing and what he is going to do in our lives. Look at your walk. Every major blessing in my walk was preceded by a step of faith. And it always seems the bigger the step, the bigger the blessing. We should give cheerfully from the first fruits, not from the leftovers. It always requires faith to uh, give the first. That's why so few Christians experience the true blessings of tithing. It means giving to God before you see if you are going to have enough. By tithing, it is as if we are saying to God, I recognize you first. I am putting you first in my life. And I trust you to take care of the rest of my things in, the, in my life. That is why tithing is so important. It is the primary way we acknowledge, we acknowledge that God is first in our lives. Tithing is, a real, is really a test for us. If you do a Bible search on the number 10, you will see the pattern. How many times did God test the Pharaoh's heart? How many commandments are there? How many times did God test Israel while they were wandering in the wilderness? How many times did God test Jacob's heart when he was working for Laban? How many days was Daniel tested in each case, the number um, is a tithe or a tenth. So as we leave here today, remember to search your heart and give accordingly and cheerfully. Give to the creator of heaven and earth, the one true God, part of what he has entrusted to you. The much bigger issue here is that God's kingdom needs to be advanced. Who does he use to do that? Amen. <clears throat> us the believers we should not be getting caught up in um, percentages and what we have to do according to the Bible what we need to do is forget about ambitions, goals and motives <clears throat> and pick up on God's plan we have been saved from eternal separation from God by grace with all that we have been given how can we do anything but else but to give back to God what if we could get our minds off of our 
earthly bank accounts and focus instead on sowing uh, things that will have eternal value. John Wesley said, I judge things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. I'll let you on a little secret. Eternity is a long time. <laughs> we can either use our time and money to support us here on earth for a number of years, which we don't know what number of years we have, but, or we can line up our priorities with God's plan and start giving in, giving in a way that we actually last for an eternity. When we give tithes and offerings into our church and into ministries that are reaching into the world, we get to be included in their eternal reward. We are the body of Christ. We all have a part to play. The amazing thing is that we start getting the focus off of ourselves and on meeting the needs of others. We have our needs taken care of. It's just the way God set it up. He is so good, isn't he? Amen. I would like to tell you about um, something that happened in my life over the last few months. Um, I've had... Um, I've had people come to me and they want to be mentored. And, and I, I don't mind reaching out to people and mentoring them and walking alongside of them any way I can. But the one thing I ask the people that want to be mentored is to show some form of, some form of um, commitment. Um, while some people um, are willing to show that a commitment and they start walking and I walk alongside of them, um, that is a true blessing for me, and I hope I'm a blessing for them. While others, um, they do not want to show any commitment, and um, so I do not walk alongside of them. But I, I think the whole thing comes down to what we've been talking about today, and that is your heart. Your heart condition, if you are right with the Lord and you want to get closer to the Lord, then, then you will have a commitment to, to reading God's word and to listening to God and praying to God on a regular basis. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, I just want to try and encourage you about tithing. Uh, I, I just think it's the only time in the whole Bible that Almighty God comes to us and says, go ahead and test me in this. Imagine if he said, if you give 10%, I'll give you healing power, and you'll be able to pray for anyone to be healed, and I guarantee you they'll be healed. Test me in this. We would all be writing checks for 10% right off the top, right? Uh, th this, some people say, well, this isn't as spiritual as that, helping people, healing people. Can I just tell you, our ties support the local church. Without the local church, Christianity is going to die and America will accelerate into ungodliness. The local church is the front line. And if we don't support the local church, I, I don't know what would happen. And I also want to, um, just to make it as practical as we can, I love how, Jesus, uh, how God says, test me in this and see. Um, I can tell you, next year will be 20 years I've been pastoring. So I've pastored rich people, poor people, blue collar, you, uh, you name it. I can stand before you and say, I'll use always and never words. I almost never do that. Uh, every time someone has needed help from the church financially, they were non-tithers. Every single time, that someone is a tither at church, they never need financial help. That's every single time and never. And it's the only time I can say that. How does that work? 
If you don't believe me, pick someone. If you're not tithing right now, pick someone in this church that you trust, that you admire their lifestyle, and ask them if they're tithers. Pick someone else in this church that you know is struggling, ask them if they're tithers. Because if there's no embarrassment and no shame, then we should just be able to say, you know what, I don't see it in the Bible, I don't tithe. But I find people are really embarrassed that they don't tithe. Why would that be? Unless they think it's something that God wants us to do. And I love how Dennis was clear. Our salvation's not wrapped up in tithing. He was very clear with that. All of our favor, all of our grace comes through Jesus Christ, not through money. I can't buy God's favor. However, he says, if you'll do this, you'll have plenty of seed to make bread with, and you have plenty of seed left over to sow seed into other things. So, so where are you at? Do you have plenty of bread? Are or, or, or you kind of lead on the bread? When was the last time you just, somebody asked you for money, they were doing a ministry, you just go like, yeah, here's 100 bucks. Yeah, here's 30 bucks. And I bet some people are thinking that that would be so much money, things have to change. Give God a shot. I'm just going to quote God here. Give him a try. Test him in this. See if he won't pour out such a blessing in your life, your barns won't hold it. You have to build more barns. As simple as that. So let's, uh, let, I'm going to close this, my part right here, one, just saying this thing. Would you please pray about how much you give God, why you give it to God, what you're doing, how you like doing it, and then just make a decision in your heart, I'm going to give this amount this often. Then it's between you and God. It isn't a mandate from me, the elders, anything like that. Amen.